taken a stand in this time, in this hour, like no other. And so I'm so grateful for you and your family. I would just like you to, to give a warm and hearty welcome to Pastor Shane Eidelman. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Michael, thank you so much. What a good introduction. I don't feel worthy of that. I, I get a little loud sometimes, so I'm going to back this up. That's okay. Um, you know, let me tell you, this morning I've been really wrestling with a few different things. I've, I've got a message already prepared, of course. But, I don't know. I think God's wanting me to change it around quite a bit. And how do you know that? You really just, there's a deep impression. There's a, a, there's a, a yearning to, to maybe speak uh, on a different type of topic, even using the same template. And they're going to actually pass around an article I wrote, uh, The Battle Cry of Isaiah. Uh, looking back, I would like to change that to the battle cry of America. Awake and arise. We need to awake and arise. And here's what I want. Here's what's not in my notes, and I hope it's okay. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about um, how I got here, because I think it's important to everyone in this room, because a lot of times we think uh, that God can't really use me. You know, I'm, I'm here in Bishop. Uh, somebody just told me, I didn't know anything good could come out of Lancaster. Uh but I know what they were saying. That's a good, I, I, I can see where they're coming from. Um, and, you know, and, and where we just think sometimes we're insignificant, we can't really make a difference. And uh, what happened in Lancaster, California, I was born there, actually in a little town called Quartz Hill, and barely graduate high school with a 1.8. And... Uh, but it really wasn't, you know, I, I did try, but realizing later I had dyslexia, and I, I just could not follow teachers. I couldn't understand what they were talking about. Algebra, way over my head, world history, boring. It just nothing clicked, and I had to just really cheat my way through to barely graduate. And then, so graduating that, barely looked upon as the stupid one, class clown. And then so to fill that void, I turned to alcohol. Uh, for many years in my early teens or late teens, actually. And, you know, obviously we all know that's not fulfilling. But and then working in construction. Hello. Digging ditches. And God really began to just break me and humble me. And so with no education, no really background other than hard work. And I think kids need that nowadays. I remember when a man's word was his handshake. You can believe that we didn't have contracts back then growing up with my dad, watching him work. He was from the farms of Oklahoma and so would never, ever dare um, come up here and speak to you. Speaking in public, uh, 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 you know, just embarrassed and sit down. And so uh, the least likely, what, what happened? Well, it's called encountering the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called encountering God. And I believe a lot of people, though they know God, they're not completely abandoned to Him and filled with the Spirit. That's where it comes from. And Michael, Michael mentioned the boldness. Well, the real, the real Shane Eidelman up here would be an embarrassment. But it's the Spirit of God that gives us that boldness. And we just got back from an event with, I don't know how many of you follow Charlie Kirk with Turning Point USA in San Diego. And, uh, my, my wife and I were down there. They had me on a panel talking to this, this big ballroom of pastors. And I, and I said the same thing, that we have to have boldness but brokenness. 
if, if the lukewarm carnal church has slain its ten thousands or thousands, its arrogance has slain its ten thousands. And you can be a mean, angry pastor and you're not going to have the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your life. And then you can be carnal and lukewarm and you're going to, you're going to be quenching and grieving the Spirit. So that, that desire to find that balance. And I see so many angry pastors and, and I, I, some of these guys are my friends that you follow, not top names. I'm like, dude, you gotta, you gotta humble yourself before God does. And, 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 and they're not really, you know, they're not really full of God's Spirit. They're full of haughtiness. Not holiness and arrogance. And then, of course, we know the other side, the woke culture that I'm really fighting against in L.A. County. And woke is just another word for political correctness. I don't want to offend. I don't want to upset. I don't want to really go there. We're just supposed to love people. Well, yeah, but are you offending God by your silence? Because if we're not talking about things that put Jesus on the cross, the blood of Christ, judgment, repentance, to me, that's that's a severe uh, a severe deviation from God's word, and they're trying to be popular. And when you do that, you can't be powerful. You, you, the, so I want to encourage you: if you, you live up here, live down the down the freeway, live wherever, if God can't really use me. What am I doing up here? I'm here, or down in Bishop, or wherever. God just needs you surrender to Him. You plus God is the majority. So God took someone like me with my background and, and broke me and broke me and broke me. Let me tell you, that one reason I raised my hands up here, let me tell you, um, this might come a, not surprise to some of you if you follow the ministry on 88.5, but I, when I was growing up in construction, a lot of steroid use, bodybuilding, beat, fighting, all those kinds of things, I would go into church and I would laugh at those people raising their hands, all those silly charismatics. Oh my Lord, Lord, that's for women and children. And then when God started to break me, and you sing that song, wounded for our transgressions, that cursed on a tree, he died for our sins, amazing grace, how sweet it is that saved a wretch like me, I should be dead, I should be on my way to hell. ACDC song, I'm on a highway to hell. I used to, I used to listen to that with the Jack Daniels between my legs going 100 miles an hour. And that's where I should be. So shouldn't we be the most excited worshipers on the planet? Now, I know there's different, you know, I'm more conservative, you know, but I, I do it to just remind myself I will humble myself before man and not be embarrassed by what God has done in my life. And Lord, I give you all the glory, all the credit. You broke me. You've humbled me. You filled me. And so he just, I, I thank so many of you for, for, for loving the radio station, how the messages have impacted your life. But you have to know it's not me. It's God working through someone who is submitted to him. And that's, that's what many of you need to do. Full surrender. It's not optional. Full surrender. And even in that, there's not perfection. I, I still struggle with attitude. Just, anybody have a hard time getting to church with kids? Just me? Okay. We filmed a short video on Instagram. You can watch it afterwards. And I and and I said, well, this is the easiest uh, time it's ever been because it took us uh, two minutes, one mile. So that wasn't too bad. The kids weren't, weren't weren't acting up, but you know the challenges of life and and of course pride and and of course struggles and all those things. But God is looking for the heart that submits and surrenders and gets back on track and repents and falls forward and wants to be the fullness of the Spirit. And so that's actually where eighty eight point five came from. Uh, I don't know if you listened in 2017, but they contacted us and said, hey, we're selling the station and just going to let you know your program will be off the air. 
And so, so okay. And so I'm driving. I remember the street. I remember the location. It's, it's probably two, three in the afternoon. And I said, well, that stinks. Oh, well. And it was like just this, this thought came into my mind. Why don't you buy it? Yeah. Okay. You know, and, I, and I'm careful because it's so, this is such a, an interesting topic. This would be a whole nother sermon. But I believe the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit are still available to us today. I believe God can give us prophetic words. But you need to put a seatbelt on sometimes. You, you, you know, it, it's not, if it's not, if it's odd, it's God isn't biblical. It's not weird. It, the Holy Spirit empowering me is not weirdness. Actually, if we want to get really biblical, the number one fruit of somebody filled with the Spirit is boldness to proclaim the truth. And so that comes out. And so I'm, I'm, I'm open, but I'm cautious because I grew up and I, I preach a Baptist church is very conservative. I preach a very charismatic and very, it's like, you know, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I love God's people because there's diversity in there as well. And we need to stop being wrongly judgmental. You know, some charismatics need to put a seatbelt on, some conservatives need to step on the gas pedal. I'm going to get off that topic because. So anyway, long story short, I'm driving. I heard that I'm like, oh man, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. I don't even know what's involved. And so I contact the station. It's kind of funny. I joke with them. I haven't in a while, but. He's like, well, we can't sell to you. You don't know how to run a radio station. Well, I'm like, well, that's a good point. And so I'm just praying, praying for probably eight months, six, I don't know. And I said, you know what? I'm just giving this up because this is ridiculous. This can't be God. I, how, I'm busy. I've got five kids, 17 to three, running the church, running, speaking nationally, writing articles. This is, whose idea was this anyway? And so two days later, I, we get a, an email, or I get an email from the office, and they said, hey, there's this guy here. Oh, I told my wife, I said, I can't, I can't manage a radio station. So I, I think I might have missed it on this one. I don't know what that was all about. And so I get an email, and I'll never forget it. I've never got an email like this before, and I'll never get an email like this again. But she said, hey, Shane, there's a guy stopped by. He is, he, he's thinking of moving here, and he manages a Christian radio station. Well, so today he still he has walked us through all this. He's but he he never moved out here. He lived in lives in Minnesota. He was able to do it all remotely. And so oh, there's that one hurdle. And then I'm still like, nope, there's no way. Like this is just too big of an undertaking. And because there's a lot to it, working at the FCC and tower and transmitters and engineers and a lot of things that that I'm learned learned through the process. Had God showed me then what I know now, I would have said no way. And he often does that. He doesn't show you everything you're going to go through. He just shows the fruit, and then you walk, and then you go through all the challenges that, that get you there. But um, so we, we are, I was still praying because um, it was under contract with another buyer, a Mexican radio station, Hispanic radio station, I guess in this day I should pronounce things correctly, or get a woke email from someone. And I love all ethnicities. That's what's funny. I love you know, we have my, my associate pastor is a black pastor. He's filling in for me uh, the next few weeks. And uh, another rabbit trail. Sorry, I've got a lot of rabbit trails. So I'm driving. I get to church. I say, Lord, let me let me meet someone today that has been blessed by that radio station that because it went off the air for a while. And let me let me hear from someone who's been blessed by that. And I know I just need this confirmation, Lord, because see, I trust God. I just don't trust Shane Eidelman. So I don't know these thoughts that come in. You know, sometimes a good thing isn't always a God thing. Satan, I believe, can, can shoot fiery darts. Your own ego can, can plant seeds. 
And so his name was Walt. I said, Walt, how'd you hear about the church? He goes, oh, you'll never forget this. I was so blessed on that radio station before you went off the air. That really changed my life. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Wow. So long story short, we moved forward. God closed the door on that escrow, opened the door to the other escrow. Um, and uh, we just, the financial was there. I mean, it's a good seven, 8000 a month to run both radio stations. You know, if you look at engine, uh, the uh, Southern California Edison cost, transmitter cost, and at least twice a year, people email us, hey, you ready to sell Bishop yet? You ready to sell Bishop yet? It's like, no, no, we're not selling Bishop. And so just your encouragement. My point was, I guess I could have got to this 10 minutes ago. But to be encouraged, I'm encouraged by the fact that so many of you are encouraged by that radio station. Because we don't hear from people we don't know. And so that that really is a good uh, reminder that God was had his hand in that, still had his hand in that. Um, and um, I don't really, I choose some of the programming and different things. But a lot of times um, we have programmers that connect. I don't do all that kind of stuff. Just the just the the main overseeing of everything. So that's how we kind of got here. I wanted to encourage you. I don't know. Again, none of that's in my notes. But God can take what you consider nobody and make you somebody. Actually, He uses the least likely. And and, and I'll, I'll when I travel and sometimes speak and people are like, Oh, what seminary did you go to? School of Hard Knocks. Cemetery. I don't know about that one, but there's. But my point is, um, when God calls you, and of course you want to educate yourself, read theology. I love theology. Still do today. Uh, and but when God calls you, and He will begin to use you in your sphere of influence, whatever that looks like. And I, I didn't choose this calling; it chose me. And in your own life as well, you could you can make a huge difference up here or where you live. Just in your home, in your community, on your street. And a lot of times I still feel, in California, in Los Angeles County, during the lockdowns, now that was a little uh, interesting. Uh, we, we just shut down like everyone did for just a little while. And then um, a friend of mine, maybe you probably follow Jack Hibbs, texted me and said, what are you thinking? I said, we need to open ASAP. And so we set a date. We had some conference calls. And we opened the church. And we uh, about 200 people moved. Uh, out of California from our church during the last two years. Uh, but the church tripled in size, financially increased as well. People, But also people left because they were you know, saying we weren't loving our neighbor. And I'm like, I'm trying to, but I've got people hooked to addiction, brutal marriages, uh, adultery and, and pornography, suicide. When's the church supposed to be the church? How do we know we're not capitulating? And so and when you look at all the, the, the shenanigans, I like to call it, the, you know, I was following the numbers and friends of mine who are nurses and UCLA and different like shame that they're, they're doctoring these numbers they're putting all these things down. That's not true. And, and so we just use wisdom. And so we didn't step out in the spirit of rebellion, but of a desperation to honor God and his word. And the church. It was amazing what God did. And it was not without its challenges. And I know we me and my wife had a serious talk on, OK, this could result in possibly getting arrested. And uh, because they were, I don't know if you remember, but L.A. County, they were clamping down. You know, Gav, Governor Newsom, who you need to pray for, don't mock, just pray for him and his wife and his kids. And um, I know it's hard sometimes, but they were they were saying, you know, no singing, no church. And it's like just pushing down. And I remember uh, the Department of Justice under Trump sent him a letter and said, you will not stop the churches. They are essential. So that kind of gave us a little fuel to say, OK. You know, here we go in L.A. County. We opened up at the stadium. L.A. County said, you know, there's no singing. I want you guys 12 feet away. 
And and so we just, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And see, the truth will offend, but our attitude shouldn't. And so the, the boldness comes. We can be gracious and loving and understanding, but still hold the line and say, this is perversion in our culture. We're not allowing that in the schools. This is not right. You will not silence the truth. We're, we're, you just stand still. Stand still and hold the line. And then God honors that. God gets behind you on that. And so out of that came, you know, the church thing open and, and the, like Michael said, the media presence. And, and they asked me to speak at the Turning Point USA. And then Rob McCoy, I spoke at his church. He spoke at our church. And so a lot of these pastors banded together. And what you need to know is a lot of the pastors we ran into throughout the United States, there's a, there's a, 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 a I don't even know what the right word is, but there is a holy indignation. There's a righteous indignation that God is is moving among his pastors and his people. There's a, a sense of revival, because if you've heard me speak, you know, spiritual awakening at this point is our only hope. The Titanic has been hit. 2022, great. 2024, whatever. I mean, I'm all for godly leader, godly legislation. As a matter of fact, we realize just how important leadership is during COVID. If anything, it showed me how important leadership is. Who appointed the three Supreme Court justices that got Roe v. Wade overturned? Who who secures our borders? Who who appoints Christians to public office? So I don't care if you don't like the person. We're not following a man. We're shaping a movement. And so, and we saw how important this is to godly leadership, and how far our nation has drifted from the truth. And so, the title of the message today took me a while to get there. What I want to encourage you with is the battle cry for America. Awake and arise. The battle cry for America. Awake and arise. I know some of you are thinking, I, I wish the sermon was over soon. Well, some, not everyone does. I, I've learned that over the years. And I will say this. Here, here, here's, here's a test. This is what I pray about this morning, if I, I should say this or not. And so... I'll let Michael handle the damage later. But here's there is a quick test to take. To not, if, if you know, you know, am I Lord? Am I fully surrendered? Am I filled with your Spirit? And do I want more of you? There is a quick test. Did you want worship to hurry up and get over? Or did you want more of it? Let that penetrate your heart. Is is church on the back burner? And all your other priorities on the front burner? Or is God on the front burner? So you can gauge spiritual health. I can gauge your physical health by your appetite. People dying of cancer, dying of other diseases, their appetite's gone. And so if your appetite for God is fading, but there's no appetite for God, there's no desperation, there's no, I've got to work. I mean, when I heard, 50 hours of worship. I'm like, how, how can we be here some, some of those times? How, how, I mean, how, see, there's a, my heart beats for seeking God because there's a desperation. There's a, in, in these dire times, just coming to church now and then and maybe saying a quick little prayer is not going to cut it. God's got to become your all-consuming passion, your all-consuming desire. I need God. I need, oh God, would you rend the heavens? God, would you open up and come down and visit your people because we're desperate. Our grandchildren, our children are exposed to so much perversion, ungodly legislation. So many politicians are lying and deceiving. And, and, and if we can't trust the FBI, who can we trust? God and God alone. Don't get me started. I might go down a political rabbit trail. 
but I'm so tired of people saying we shouldn't get political. We just need to preach the gospel. My Lord, the gospel affects all areas of life. It has a lot to say about murdering innocent children. It has a lot to say about gay marriage. It has a lot to say about uh, transgenders teaching preschoolers about being a transgender, choosing your own sex. My Lord, if not now, when? If not, who you? When are you going to wake up? But am I not just preaching the truth? When are you going to wake up, church? This is not time for playing games. And I didn't come here to tickle the ear. I came here to challenge the heart. God, we gotta get, guys, we've got to get desperate. That's why a battle cry, a battle cry is our, is our only hope right now. What was a battle cry? It would summon armies to war. You know, when the Philistines heard the battle cry of Israel, they, they, the Bible says they literally shook. What is that cry in Israel? What is going on? The God of, the God of the universe has visited them. The, the battle cry that shook Jericho. I mean, there's a, there, and when you get Christians, again, not arrogance, boldness underscored with brokenness. And I read something 20 years ago when I first came back to the Lord. A.W. Tozer said, before God uses a man greatly, he must hurt him deeply. And I finally, over the years, realized what that means. God's got to humble you and break you. Maybe that difficulty you're going through right now is to break you. Stop fighting it. Stop blaming the other person. You know where the number one thing we see in, in counseling marriages is the blame shifting and the blame game. I said, I have the solution right here. Just drink of the living water. You'll never thirst again. Humble yourself. I don't care if you're right. You're still wrong in your attitude. You have the answer and how many people don't want, but you don't know my spouse. You don't know what I'm going through. And we can no longer be shamed into silence. You know what shamed into silence is? Words like homophobe. People don't even know. We have people struggle with same-sex attraction at our school, at our church. We love them. We, they're at events. We're no different than struggling with any other sin. However, we love the sinner, but we fight the agenda. That's the difference. That's what people don't realize. I love the moms who just had an abortion. We can pray with her. We can help her. But you fight the agenda. And they try to shame you into silence. Hobophobe. White ring. White. Wait. Right wing. White nationalist. That's my newest title, whatever that means. I don't have any clue. I guess because I'm bald. But she, shut them up. Shut them up. But when you know who you really are, that stuff shouldn't bother you. And when you speak the truth in love, it will hurt. It's supposed to. God's word is not like a feather. It's like a hammer. It's like a fire that devours. It's like a sword that pierces. So when you speak the word of God with the spirit of humility and gentleness, the word of God goes through and it crushes pride. It slices through arrogance. It will cut down the, the, the demonic realm. That's the only way. This is how I fight my battle on my knees, fasting before God, praying and pulling down heaven. I love having church. I love preaching sermons. But most revivals are sparked in the prayer closet as men and women seek the hand of God. You will see more breakthrough at this church from 50 hours of worship than five years of sermons. And Michael knows I'm not putting him down. I'd say the same thing about me and my church. 
when God radically meets you through worship and prayer and fasting and breaks you, then you come out of there a spirit-filled believer. And that's what we need. The battle cry. But a heart cry must precede a battle cry. Many Christians are angry, but they're still arrogant. They're wound up, but they're not worshipers. And they're haughty, but they're not holy. Is that not the truth? And I, and I, I, I feel your pain. I'm right there with you. I'm, oh, I'm so angry. I'm, I'm going to post something on Facebook today. If, if you saw what's, if you knew what was going on up here, I would tear Twitter and Facebook and Instagram apart and just, just in your face. But that's not, you know, I got to balance it with love and grace and make sure, you know, is this, is this edifying? Is this going to build up? Is it, but there is a time to strengthen uh, and, and equip people and encourage people. Another friend of mine, Sean Foyt, you might follow him. He's having all these worship events. Um, he was he was down there as well, but he's very bold in, in posting those things. And I think it's good. We need that to show, you know, if it's done in, in love with the right spirit. But who, who said Jesus? Did you know Jesus didn't turn the other cheek when he was hit? You need to all think about this. Jesus did not turn the other cheek when he was slapped. What did he do? He said, why did you slap me? What evil have I done? He confronted. See, turning the other cheek, we err on the side of grace. That's, my, that's, my, that's not my demeanor is to fight back. I'm going to err on the side of grace. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to love him. But there comes a time where I will confront you. I will confront. What evil have I done? Why have you slapped me? And we, we forget that he made a whip. He made a whip. Can you imagine me coming here with a whip? I would never be back here again. And pushing over the seats? Why? Why? Zeal for your house has consumed me, he said. Zeal for I'm, I'm, I can't see this in the house of God. This is perversion. This is wrong. This is mockery. And that zeal for my house, guy, he said, has, has eaten me up. And he begins to drive out the money changers. Actually, did you know the money changers should have been there? They were exhorting. They were, they were taking exorbitant amounts of money. They were taking advantage of the people. The money changing had to take place so the people could make their offering. But it was their heart. And so I, I, I'm careful with this topic because I don't want people to leave here. Yeah, Pastor James, I can hit people. I can just be angry. I can be. No, that's not. No, no, no. But see, we've got this view, especially in the woke culture. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir here. But that just this passive, nice, mild man of Jesus. Don't say anything. Don't say anything wrong. Don't upset. Don't offend. He offended the entire religious system. He offended everybody from the Pharisees to the Sadducees to the religious leaders. You whitewashed tombs. You are nice and clean on the outside, but you're a dead man's bones in the outside. You, run, you go travel land and sea, and when you win one proselyte, you make him twice the son of hell as you. Jesus, he spoke more about hell than heaven. And it just, it just really, really infuriates me when people use him to hide their cowardliness. And I know it's a hard message. And I make no apologies. Every time I give this message, at least somebody doesn't come back to the church. Oh, that guy. He's too hard. What's wrong with him? Why is he so angry? Oh, no, no. You're confusing passion with anger. 
Now, there's a little anger. There's a little righteous indignation. Thank you. It's okay. Jesus had it. Did you know one of the characteristics of God is, is anger, the right kind of anger? See, we all, God's attribute is love. I think, I don't know what that attribute, I don't even want to say the number, but it's like a hundred to one where his attribute of holiness is mentioned way, way, way more than love. Our God is holy, holy, holy is our God. The angels even cry, holy, holy, holy is our God. The, the whole temple, these huge posts, 26 feet tall and 6 feet in diameter, they shook by the holiness of God. Holy, holy is of God. And Isaiah said, my eyes have seen the King of glory. I've been radically changed from the inside out. And that's what some of you need. You need a Holy Ghost fire underneath you so you can have the passion and boldness of the Spirit. You can, you can confront a dying and dead culture and say, this is wrong, yet still be willing to die for that culture. It's, it's a dichotomy. It's such an interesting thing. And how can I speak so aggressively yet love those stuck in sin? It's the work of God's Spirit in your heart. Halfway through page one, there's four pages. So what time we have to end? What time do you actually really end? It's, okay, 1230? No, I'm, I'm not going to... I know you guys are you, you well here's the deal when you're being when you're when you're you're being encouraged you're on the edge of your seat you want more you're not in a hurry for things to end we're worship to get over and that's the problem we have I, I spoke at a uh, so many different churches one was a, I'm not going to mention the name or city but it's a mega church and uh, they said okay here's your timer you got exactly 30 minutes we've got this song is I'm not kidding four minutes and 23 seconds Baby dedication, a minute and a half. This song is four minutes and thirty-two. This and then here's your here's your here's your thirty minutes, and 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 we might have to cut into that if a baby dedication goes long. And here's our one closing song. Then we got to get them out of here. Why why is that? Because the attention span. Oh no, if you're Holy Spirit filled, your, your attention span is going to be a lot longer than what we're not trying to conform to the culture. We're trying to to conform the culture to God. And so, and I would just encourage you, be plugged in at a good church, but there has to be time for pressing in. And when he said worship goes 45 minutes before the mess, I'm like, praise God, you don't see that very often. Because there's that time. Now, well, I won't get into that. But I know the older crowd. I I like the old hymns. I do too, but did you know the old hymns used to be new hymns? When they were first written? The biggest war we've ever had at our church is the worship wars. Uh, I I didn't even know anything existed. Worship wars. But the both sides are actually right. The the older person who walked down the sawdust trail of the Billy Graham crusade and heard and heard those wonderful hymns, the old rugged cross and nothing but the blood and amazing grace and that 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 just really oh that 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 that's God moving. Yes, it is. But don't discount the twenty year old. We just came to the Lord eight eight years ago. I'm worthy of it all. I can't sing, but you know, and 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 that that's my that's the kind of music. And see, and those two sides fight instead of complementing each other and understanding we 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 won't relate. Now I can easily go. I can easily juggle both. You get me to a choir and amazing grace is going and, and worthy is the lamb with the right vocals, instrumental and anointing and, and even acapella sometimes. I remember one of the best youth conferences we ever had. And, and now she's on our worship team, but she just opened with a guitar. I don't even play an amplifier. 
it's just a guitar, and it's just like, my, I mean, you feel the chill, you know, just the anointing of God was there. And then I've got the emails, oh, you can't worship God with drums and a guitar. I'm like, well, where, where's that in the Bible? Well, see, here's the thing, though. Just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it is in the Bible as well not to do. There's a lot of gray area. I mean, I get to Psalms and rejoice with the trumpet and the harp and the flute. and the. I mean, there was expressions of worshiping God. And so, again, it goes back to humility. God, you see how important humility is? How, I would say 90% of the division in the church is over non-essential things where we don't humble ourselves. Could it be that God gave us division so we would practice humility? Unless you walk like me, talk like me, believe like me. And I really confuse people because I have the John MacArthur Study Bible and the Jack Hafer Study Bible. You can look it up online and see who those people are later if you want. But isn't that true? And, and even this week, people want to label. So what, what, what domination? What do you, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? I'm not sure what Calvin said, but what does the Bible say? Armenian, Joseph Armenian, what does the Bible say? What isms? We want to put isms on. Oh, now I can get you in a box. Now I can judge you. And I, I, one big passion of mine is to get the church united, the real church, not ecumenical movements of falsehood, but the real church to put down differences. The Baptist has to worship with the charismatic and stop judging. Oh, that church. Oh, they're too, they're too crazy. Well, you're, you're too, you're, too, you're, you think they're a circus, you're a cemetery. I'd rather be a little bit lively. And remember, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians on the gifts and use of the, the Holy Spirit. To, to, living children need rules. Dead children don't. So if God's not moving here, we've never had anything like that happen. We've never, well, you better be, are you alive spiritually? Yeah, you can tweet that one out later. But I often hurt the feelings of, of lukewarm and I also hurt the feelings of arrogant conservatives. And I love both. I'm just, what's the Bible saying? I see so much, maybe as a pastor, maybe this doesn't mean a lot to you, but I see so many little, at conferences or bickering, you know, we got our little tribes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm five point Calvinism, well, I'm four point Calvinism, well, I'm not a Calvinism, well, I'm amillennial, well, I'm premillennial, well, I'm postmillennial, well, when's the rapture coming and, 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 and it, your pneumatology is different than my pneumatology. And where, what group do you want to be with? And see, what, how's the Holy Spirit going to move in a divided group? Have your passion for non-essentials. Like, here's what I believe and here's why. But so many people want to argue over the non-essentials. You know what that is? It's called pride. Pride, and it hurts a bit. And if you're, if you're convicted about this, if you don't like what I'm saying, maybe it's, you might need to hear what I'm saying. Uh, you will not see revival corporately or individually unless you get rid of this area of division. Jesus prayed, let them be united like we are. And you, I just, I, I don't, I can't worship like those charismatics, but I still love them. I can't, I can't be dead like the conservatives, but I still love them. And you, you find, I guess I should, I'm conservative, I guess. People, charismatics say, I'm too conservative. And conservatives say, I'm too charismatic. And so you, they, they want to put you in a box. Another rabbit trail. There's so many rabbit trails. But let me get to Isaiah. Awake and arise. Many of you know in Isaiah 60, um, it, it, the verse talks about awaking and arising. But there's so much before that. In Isaiah 57, he says, You sons of the sorcerer and offsprings of adulterers, you inflame yourself with gods under every tree. 
And so Isaiah is rebuking the people. See, we forget about that sometimes. Oh, that's kind of hard. That's for, that's for the Old Testament. We don't know. God still has prophetic voices. God still needs to wake up his people. God still sends watchmen to warn. Are you ready for this one? The number one trait of a false prophet in the Bible. Number one trait. You can spot it. You can still spot it today. You ready for this one? You might want to write this down. Not warning. Saying peace, peace when there's no peace. False prophet will be coming up saying, hey guys, nothing to worry about. All of you are A-OK. We're doing great. 63 million babies born. Not a big deal. LGBTQ agenda is being forced down people's not a big deal. We're all good. God loves. It's just God is love. You're all fine. Don't worry. All of you, everyone, and there's no warning. That's the number one mark of a false prophet. Jeremiah 23, read it tonight. God said, I didn't send these prophets, yet they ran. I didn't speak to them, yet they spoke. But had they truly stood in my counsel, what my word says, they would have turned this entire nation back to me. Is not my word like a fire? Is not my word like a hammer that devours? But you have perverted the words of the living God. By not warning but here's the thing, we shouldn't be excited about, that's where the word Bible thumping, you know, pulpit pounding, in your face, angry, that's where that comes from. That's not good either. But there should be a, you, do you see what's going on? Shouldn't there be a, a righteous indignation? They're getting ready to, I was just talking to Jack, Jack Hibbs, is, uh, the person that heads up one of their, their political activism, but proposition, was it Prop 1? I mean, it's almost, it's gonna be, uh, infanticide even after birth and what they're trying to push and, and shouldn't this, shouldn't this, now I know maybe that's not your calling, your gifting, you're, you're more on the mission field. Thank God for that. Praise God for that. But there should be a, a righteous indignation that wells up at you. You look at your children, I look at my children, I go, in 20 years from now, I don't know what, where you're gonna be. And that falls directly upon our shoulders. The silent pulpit is not God's pulpit. The silent church is not God's church. The reason our nation, men, the reason our nation is in the predicament it is, is look in the mirror. Men have been given by the, the ordained by God to watch and lead their families, lead the church. God instituted the family. Ready? Here's another bombshell. Three institutions: the family, the church. Are you ready for it? Government. Okay, I got in there. That's God's institution. So no wonder he wants to get the church out of there. Now, I don't think we should be in there, political activism camp. I got it, all that. But but now the, you're talking about creating life simply to destroy it, stem cell research. You're, you're talking about aborting. You're talking about, you're talking about legalizing perversion. And God's word has something to say about these issues. Silence is capitulation. Because when you don't say anything, you say something. And you say it very loudly and very, very clearly. And so that's the divide you're seeing in our nation. All these churches who want to remain neutral or politically correct, the problem, the real reason is they haven't spent time in the prayer closet seeking the heart of God. They're not filled with the Holy Spirit, so they're not filled with boldness. Now, they might not do what I do. They might do something else. And now you not talk about a lot of these issues. But there's got to be a, a righteous indignation of, and of warning the people. Why did God call the prophetic voices? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, 
Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zebedee, Zechariah, Haggai. What was their whole role? To go throughout the villages and say, God is love. Here's a flower. And again, please understand, I'm not minimizing that. This is why it's a hard message, because you're, I'm not minimizing the love of God. Thank God for the love of God. His grace has brought me here, and it's grace that will take me home. I love the grace of God. I love the mercy of God. But because it's the grace that God has shed abroad in my heart, that now I need to warn others to turn from the wrath that is to come, and to turn a nation back. He says, I would rise my wa-, right before the fall of Jerusalem. God said, I would rise my watchmen up early, and I would send them because I had compassion on my people. People, but they mocked my messengers, despised my word, and scoffed at my prophets until the anger of the Lord arose against his own people. You just spend time in God's word, you're gonna you're gonna see all this. The problem is you don't spend time in God's word, so with people not you, generally speaking, okay, sorry. But but they do they, they that guy's radical. No, I'm just preaching the Bible that you haven't heard true Bible preaching in so long that you are mortally offended when you finally hear the, the the brutality of the Old Testament, the grace of the New Testament, the true heart of God, that God is anger, God is love, God is holiness, God is righteousness. And you start to see that, that God is a God of justice, but he's also a God of love and holiness. And, and it's just, it's just and not one attribute is above the other. It, he, it's, it's all of who he is. And when you go to, when you're really in a living, vibrant church service, did you know that the early church might mock many churches today? Can you imagine the early church? Hey, are people getting healed? Oh, no. I think last year, Bill. I think Bill last year. Yeah. Or God doesn't do that anymore. God doesn't do that anymore. Somebody's speaking prophetically in the lives of someone else. No, 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 no. We, we don't do that anymore. But see, we have so dumbed down what the New Testament church was that now when we try to, to be the New Testament church or preach like the Old Testament church, we're labeled extreme. And it's not extreme. I challenge you, just open your Bible. Genesis, start. Go to Revelation. Keep going through it. Keep meditating in your heart. And tell me if this doesn't resonate with you. Because we're either filled with the Word of God or we're filled with the world. And we crossed a very dangerous line years ago. And and, and in Isaiah's day as well, their blatant sin demanded a strong rebuke. Parents, you know, doesn't a strong rebuke often mean you love your child, not hate your child? Well, the parent says, I don't care. Let them do whatever they want. That's not parenting. That's child abuse. And then God, I like this verse. When you cry, let your idols deliver you. America, when you cry, let your 401k deliver you. Let your retirement deliver you. Let these things you trusted in deliver you. And then we keep reading in, in verse, in chapter 57, a very encouraging invite. This is so encouraging. It, it's one of those scriptures that, I don't know, when I read it, it, it it just leaps out at me. For thus says the high and lofty one. God is speaking to his people. Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits 
eternity. He dwells. God dwells. Are you ready for this? God will dwell with this person who has a broken and contrite heart to revive the broken, to renew those who are contrite in spirit. God says, I want to speak with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to guide you. I want to lead you. I want to fill you, but you're too full of yourself. You've got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and be filled with the spirit of God. And those who are desperate, what cry, what parent would not answer the cry of their children? You see your child, mommy, daddy, help, help. You're just going to say, hold on. Let me wait till the service is over. Hold on. Be about a half hour. You're going to break through that window. You're going to break through that back door and find out what that is. Same thing when God hears the cries of his children with a broken and contrite heart crying out to God. Lord, please visit your people. Rend the heavens and come down. Bring us a measure of revival in our bondage. We need to hear from you. We need to be touched by you. God can change the course of human history through humility. We must repent of apathy, repent of pride, and repent of prayerlessness. You need to remove the things that are, that are distracting you and pulling you away from God. What is distracting you and pulling you away from God? Want me to tell you the number one thing right now? Here we go. Hold on, guys. I'll get to this later. I'm amazed at how many people know exactly what's going on in the news, but not what's going on in God's Word. And then chapter 58, cry aloud. Cry, I wish pastors would read this verse. Cry aloud. He's talking to Isaiah. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a soft, quiet bird. Harmonica. That was nice harmonica. Right, just quiet. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. What would a, can you imagine a trumpet right here at full force? Because that's what you need. See, in these dire times, elevator music's not going to cut it. You need to hit the alarm clock and turn up the volume and wake them up. He said, go and warn my people. Wake them up like a trumpet declaring the truth of God's word. So when you hear the volume, it's really out of the deep recesses of the heart that the volume is turned up, the passion is turned up. And if somebody's on their way and you see, you know, the child is, your child is going to walk into a, a snake den or something, you would stop, you would open that window and you would cry out. See, the magnitude of the consequences is what comes out of the heart when you see what exactly is going to happen. Cry aloud, lift up your voice, tell my people their transgressions in the house of Jacob, their sins. But then the people said, why isn't God listening? You ever been there? Why isn't God hearing? We, we go to church. Things exactly say that, but go to temple, right? We go through the motions. Why isn't God hearing my prayers? We're even, here we go, we're even fasting. Boy, they, they pulled out the big guns for that. It's like pulling out, pulling out a 10 gauge for your geese hunting. But God says, you're going through the motions. You have to remove the wickedness from your life. And I know that word sometimes we think wickedness. That wickedness really means just something that, that uh, contradicts the word of God or the nature of God. They call that wicked. Look it up in the Hebrew dictionary. Something that opposes the will and ways of God. So there's a removing the wickedness, going through the motions. 
Then he said, once you get your heart right, then your light will shine. Then your light will shine. Maybe that speaks to some of you this morning. You've been praying, you've been, you've been asking God, but there's something in your heart, something in your, your heart that has grown hard and callous. And God says, repent of those things, then my light will shine. Then your light will shine. And the reason I, I know this is a hard topic of this, this word repentance, I've seen it so many times. This is probably the number one reason why people don't come back to our church. And it's the number one pe- reason people come to our church. And can you believe that? As God is my witness, you can ask my wife, oh, somebody come up and angry. How, how dare you talk about those things? And they're leaving. And then another person come up crying, weeping. You almost have to hold them up. Thank you for talking about those things. What's the difference? The human heart. The Puritans used to say the same sun that melts the wax is going to harden the clay. And so praise God, I'm just a messenger. I'll let God melt the wax or harden the clay. But that's why this, this repentance, either like, oh, I need to hear that. I need to turn back to God. I need my, I need my light to shine again. And then he goes on to something, goes on to say something very important. Then you'll become repairs of the breach. What, if you break that down, what happened? There was a breach in Israel. The northern kingdom and the southern kingdom were divided. There was a breach in Israel. Security, fortitude. God was no longer their covering. God was going to judge them. But those persons could actually repair that breach, repair that damage. Those who filled with the Spirit of God do via repentance and humility. And then he goes on in chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save, nor heavy, his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your Sins have separated you from God so that He will not hear you. And then chapter 60, he gets into that great crescendo. Now, it's interesting with Isaiah. They're not necessarily written, written in, in, in order, chronological order. You know, some of the prophetic voices are all over the page. But you see this warning in Isaiah that they're, they're warning, but there's an encouragement. He, he warns, he, ba- he blasts them, for a lack of a better word. He just Let's them have it, but then he says, be encouraged. God dwells with those who have a broken and contrite heart. In other words, have your heart break and let God rebuild you. And then he says, after all of this, arise and shine. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. After you've been beat up and built back up by God. I love that. He will call you, cause you to arise. Do you know I've been beat up by God? I've been smacked down by God. He got out the big 20-pound sledgehammer. And he broke and broke and broke and continuing to break and break and break. And then that's how, how women, how many women put on perfume today? Oh, not many. Okay, that's a good, different analogy. Okay. How, where did that perfume come from? The flower petals being crushed. Olive oil. The olives were crushed. Same thing has to happen in the human heart. Crush the arrogance so the beautiful, beautiful scent of humility can come out. And I wish we would humble ourselves more, but often God humbles us. Mainly through a couple different ways. Through circumstances. Anybody been humbled through circumstances or just me? Just when you think you're at the top of your game. For me, where it all started, another rabbit trail. But if you follow, you probably heard that I used to, after construction, 
Uh, I got involved with 24-Hour Fitness, and then I worked my way up and became a district manager over a lot of, of clubs and, um, and employees and all these different things. And uh, for a good three or four years, I would always go to the meetings. Top salesman in the East or Western Division, Jane Eidelman, Jane, you know, hitting board allocated budgets, making the company a lot of money, making myself a lot of money, and, you know, just – and what happens, you get puffed up. And so – the board starts saying, okay, now you have to beat yourself by 6% next, next year. It's called same-store growth. You have to beat same-store growth by 6%. Okay, did that. And it's getting harder. And then I didn't do it. And they give you notice, three months to get this gold up, or we're going to have to demote you. What? Oh, he's breaking, the, he's breaking the wild stallion. He's breaking. Break, break, break. And then many times, I won't go into a lot of detail, my wife can tell you, but our first year or so of marriage, you know, because two single people marry, they think they're humble. I'm so humble, I love the Lord. And then you get living together, and you realize you're not too humble. And God breaks you through circumstances. Anybody been broken through finances? I'll never forget, we had one month left of of savings. She said, what are we going to do? I'm like, I have no clue. But that drove me to the cross. Because we can start getting bitter. All this tax rate. 70,000 new IRS agents. Now, I got a lot to say on that, but I'm not going there. My point is not that. My point is a lot of shenanigans going on. The, 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 the IRS raid was so he won't run in 2024. That's just the bottom line, up straight up. So, um, and I don't care if you like him or don't. That, that's just the truth of what's going on. And we got to speak the truth, unapologetically speak the truth. Everyone else is coming out of the closet. Why can't both pastors come out of the closet and start telling people the truth? Listen, you're, you're, you're pushing your false narratives. Why can't I push true narratives? My Lord. Where was that? We're going to remember. Oh, yeah, breaking and bre- FBI right Yeah, you want to go back to that one? Breaking and breaking and breaking, and God is, is, and then you arise and shine. Then your light will come forth. Then your light will come forth. Anything we will ever do from God or for God comes from this, not through, not through negative Nellies and judgmental Jerry's. As woe is me, life stinks, life sucks. America's going to hell in a handbasket. I can get caught in there because I have to. I have those same thoughts because I actually, I actually did something that I. I'm glad I did it, but I wish I didn't do it sometimes, is I read about early American history. And so I know how far we've drifted. I know what was written in the Mayflower Compact. I know what the Supreme Court Justices John Jay said in his will that, that, that he gives his life to Jesus Christ. I know that the rules of Harvard said let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and to lay Christ Jesus at the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. The Supreme Court, all of our laws were based on biblical principles. You couldn't even run for office without professing a faith in God. I can keep going. And I'm like, oh my Lord, have we drifted so far away? That's why they are rewriting American history. That's exactly why. All bad, slavery, deist. Did you know that it was Christians who brought slavery to an end? You know, you know half of our founding fathers abhorred the practice? And they said, we've been given this, this evil from Great Britain, and we are working. And see, but you don't, you're not exposing any of that, because if you, if you don't realize how, how cracked the foundation is, you're not going to do a lot to fight for it. 
And the word that you'll hear a lot, you've been hearing a lot, is progressive. Progressives, right? They think we're progressing. But if you're, if you're going away from God, you're not progressing, you're digressing. Hope you guys give the CD to a lot of your friends and family because we need to get the, the truth out there about how far we've drifted from the truth. And should we not be like Nehemiah? Why should I not be sad when the place of my father's tombs lies in waste? Why should I not be sad when the millions who gave their lives for the freedoms we now enjoy roll over in the graves to see how far we've drifted? The thing they fought for, one nation under God, not to become one nation above God. And see, you have to fight for these. You have to contend for these things. Sure, Twitter wants to silence me. Facebook is still shadow banning me a year and a half later. Shut this guy up. Stop. I, bet I was on Fox News a lot. If you go and put Shane Eidelman on Fox News and YouTube, and Fox sent me an uh, email privately from the person. I can't say her name. But she said, hey, they're going to cancel you pretty soon. I'm, I'm probably going off, too. They're kind of getting more politically correct. And she still shut it down. Shut that voice. Shut that voice. The, tr- the truth says, I want to share the truth. Air runs from it. Truth says, let's down and talk about the truth. Air will run from the truth every time again. So that's what you're seeing. Create this false narratives. Create these things that aren't true. So it leads the people astray. And I believe the pulpits, the pulpits actually used to talk about these things. I also stumbled across something else. Pulpit sermons on political hot buttons. They would talk about who's running for office in the 1800s and what they believed in. They would come against the prohibition of, of, of slavery or, or alcohol or different things. They would, they would speak upon it. Benjamin Franklin said, gentlemen, hold on. We're not getting anywhere with this Constitution. We're not getting anywhere. Let's devote a couple of days. You ready for this? For relaxation at the spa and meditate with yoga. He said, let us commit a few days of prayer and fasting. If a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without its notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? They reference the Bible four times more than any other source. And so you see how far we've drifted. It started to break my heart. Because we know the consequences of a nation that drifts from God. So on one hand, it's very hard in my heart because I, I, I have this pain and hurt and, and concern. But also have this holy fire and the zeal and this hope because I know God in the darkest moments, that's when God brings revival. In the dark, and did you know we think the mega ministries are going to usher in revival? They're not. Not, not, it, from Wesley to Spurgeon, from John Bunyan to Jonathan Edwards, they were all converted one on one or at, at tiny church services. I remember, I remember, I remember Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon. Anybody heard of Charles Spurgeon? I hope so. A snowstorm stopped him from going to a normal church, wasn't a believer. He walks in, there's about 15 people there in a blizzard. This deacon gets up, doesn't even really know what he's doing, just opens to Isaiah 45, and, and, and it says, God says, look to me, all the ends of the earth, look to me and be saved. And he pointed his bony little finger and said, young man, look to me and be saved. And now we have this great work from Spurgeon converting thousands whose sermons are printed more now than ever before. John Wesley was so convicted over the holiness of the Methodists, he devoted his life and surrendered his life to God. John Bunyan heard these four women, four women talking about their spiritual experience, and he said, I want that. Remember, God uses the little and the meaningless that we think. But God says, you plus me is the majority. I'm convinced that God doesn't want the majority. 
because then they get all the credit. And so that's why I'm very encouraged because in these dark hours, God will bring revival. A.W. Tozer said, life is a battleground, not a playground. So here, if I could sum it up, I'd say this. Although it's God who fills us, fills us with his spirit, we must yield. And it's so, it's so ironic. I, I, I love, it's called the study, it's called the pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. And it makes so many conservatives nervous. Oh, don't, don't talk about that. We got the, we got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Word. There's, but it's the Holy Spirit that empowers. It's the Holy Spirit that, that drives. It's the Holy. Where did this energy come from? This that spending. I had to put on worship this morning at 4:30 in the morning. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me. That's not weirdness. It's in the Bible. Somebody, I think his name was Paul. Be being filled. It's in the Greek. It's a it's a present tense. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit by yielding, by surrendering, by submitting. I didn't say weirdness. I said boldness. He satisfies us, but we must surrender. He pours in when we are empty. He breaks us to rebuild us. He convicts us to change us. So let the hammer of God break you. Let the Savior shape you. Let His fire consume you. Let His love devour you. Let the potter build you. Let the master lead you. And let the bondage breaker release you to do His will. And I'm, I'm going to sum it up for the second time here. But there's so much I feel that God wanted to say specifically to this congregation. And something I remembered when, when Michael said 50 year anniversary, our first time here was 20 years ago. We were up here celebrating our, our anniversary, wedding anniversary. And I'll never forget the text. Cause it, it, it just popped. You know, it's something just, it's when I, and when Jesus rolled open the scroll of Isaiah, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And you know what I realized? That same anointing falls on a spirit-filled believer. Check your Bible. This is not heretical. Jesus said, you will do greater works than me. Of course not greater in spoke. He knew the perfect will of God. Everyone was healed. Everyone was delivered. Everyone was set free. But scope, broader, every nation, tribe, and tongue. See, I, I, I believe a Bible that says, when you believe on me, you will cast out demons. You will speak in new tongues. You will raise them. You, if you have a problem with that scripture, you have a problem with the Bible. Now, again, I'm, again, I'm conservative. Let me, let me jump under my John MacArthur study Bible. Right? I'm, I'm like, ah, 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 but it's Bible. And the more, the more you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not uh, naive. You're not just throwing caution to the wind, but you're open. As soon as I start to be open, Lord, do you want that spirit? I want the spirit of God upon me. To set the captives free, to release those who are bound. I want all the Holy Spirit. I don't have any. I don't want to play church. I guess that's what I'm getting at. I don't want to play church to you. I want the fullness of the Spirit. I didn't come here to 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 to, to speak to a social club. I came here to awaken a dead and dying church. We need to be desperate for more of God. We need to cry out for God again. When God's people humble themselves, isn't that interesting? He didn't say if Washington and Hollywood humble themselves. He said if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear their prayers. I will hear and heal their lands. And I love the judgmental Jerry who comes up to me afterwards and says, you know, Pastor, that's mainly that in context, 
hermeneutically and homiletically speaking, that verse is for historical Israel. We can't apply it today. Now, I love context. I don't take, I don't like taking verses out of context and saying whatever it wants. I, I, when I come up here, I literally tremble a little bit. I tell, that's my wife. I say, I can't wait till this is over so I can enjoy the rest of the day. Because there's a, but it's not bad. It's a burden. It's a burden. Thus saith, what has God put on my heart? What's the word of God say? There, there's a burden. And I come here and take it seriously. I believe, I truly believe that lives can be radically changed today. Without a, I know some will leave and upset. Well, that's okay. God will get you later. But many people, Many people can be radically changed and encouraged and built up and strengthened. It could be a turning point. So I come with that expectation. Why shouldn't we expect God to move in a church that is mightily filled with the Spirit? We, we forgot that we come to church with the Spirit of expectation. Expectation. Ask people at, at our fellowships, what are you preaching on? I say, I don't know. It's going to be top secret. You'll find out Sunday. Come expecting God to move. I tell our worship team, if you feel led to keep going, just tell me we're going to camp out here for a while and I'll step back down and have a seat. This is a spirit-filled, led church wanting to hear from God. And the demonic realm doesn't like it. The arrogant Pharisee doesn't like it. The carnal Christian will run for the cover. But God is going to feed his people and encourage them. So I'll never forget that scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prison doors of those who are bound. So God can do that to your, in your life as well. But my point was on Second Chronicles, you know, contextually, he's right. Whatever that person, whoever that is. They're dealing with the nation of Israel. God told Solomon, hey, everything's good now, but when I bring pestilence, I don't know, sound familiar? You know what pestilence are? Virus, disease. When I bring famine, I don't think we've yet to see yet the tip of the iceberg of what all this craziness is going to do to the church. And there's one of the guest speakers, I can't remember his name. Victor Marks. Is that his name? Victor Marks? You should look him on YouTube. Very powerful. I wasn't a pastor, so he said some things I could never say. But he said what COVID did, it, 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 uh, it revealed who's who in the zoo. When I bring pestilence, when I bring famine, when I bring drought. Anybody been to Lake Mead or Powell in a while? Sound like, there you go. Crowley, I, I come up here for 40 years. I remember when Crowley was much higher, Grant Lake. When I bring these things, if your legislators and your your political officials, if they humble themselves, he said, when you guys, when you hear the call, see, that's why we're angry, but we're not broken. We're not humble. When you humble yourself and cry out to God, then I will hear your prayer. And this is what I like to tell that person. So you're telling me, 
if the majority of America, Christians in America, not even the majority, I'll take the minority, I'll take the remnant, when they're calling out to God, when they're repenting of their sin, when they're seeking His face like never before, when they're fasting and crying out to God, He's not going to hear their prayers. And sir, you need to reread your Bible because the, the Bible I read tells me that God will hear the cries of His people. When I look to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord God Almighty. When we cry out, God will hear the cries of His children. I truly believe that. I'm not coming up here being a motivational speaker. Let me see if I can trick everyone. We don't need your money. All the books are free. All my books are free on the church website to download it. I came because God has given me a burden, a fire. And often when the pulpit is aflame, so is the pew. There's a poem. Many of you might have heard this on the radio. Now I'll close. They're closing. But I like this because it, it, we're at the church in Lancaster. I've got to hurry up because the next service is coming. We're got, but they're letting us park now across the, in this empty five-acre field and car parking troubles. And, and people are just not happy. You wouldn't know they're Christians by the way they park. Isn't that funny? We don't get the right parking spot. We don't get this. It's about, uh, and this will encourage some of you. It's about this boy who kept falling, he, and his dad is there. He wants to impress his dad, and he keeps falling in this race. He's, he's in a marathon. I've lost, so what's the use? I'll live, use? I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You are not meant for failure here. Get up and win this race. With borrowed will, get up, it said. You haven't lost it all, for winning is no more than this, to rise each time you fall. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been, still he gave it all he had and ran as though to win. Three times he's fallen, three times he's stumbled, three times he rose again, too far behind to hope to win. But still he ran to the end. They cheered the winning runner as he crossed the line first place, head high and proud. And happy, no failing, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line last place, the crowd gave him the greater cheer for finishing the race. Even though he came in last with head bowed low and unproud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, <laughs> I don't know why, every time this poem gets me, And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do too well. That was me in 1999. The prodigal son came home at 29. I said, God, I'm so sorry. So sorry. Ruined my life. He said, to me, you won, his father said, you rose each time he fell. What encouragement for us today. God says, get up and win this race.
America might go to hell in a handbasket. The Titanic's been hit, but I'm going down with the vessel. And we don't know if God's going to bring a measure of revival in our bondage. What scripture says, stop fighting, give up, wait for the rapture? You know there's division in rapture too? People ask me all, I mean, every, if you need to, you need to talk about the rapture, you need, what, what do you, what's your, are you pre-millennial, post-millennial, all-millennial? I'm, 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 I'm pan. What I call pan? Oh, I'm going to see how it all pans out in the end. Yeah, pan, I, they call it something, pan. Pan trip. Yeah, I'm pan trip. And here's why. I don't want to tell my kids, hey, don't worry, when it gets real tough, you're out of here. Can you imagine? Tell, hey, don't worry. Don't worry, guys. When it gets real tough, you're out of here. That's not how you build warriors. You prepare them for what might be ahead. Maybe God will spare us, but how do you know we won't go through some very, very, very... Go just go tell the Christians in the Middle East who are getting beheaded. Hey, before it gets real bad, you just, I know you just saw your son murdered and your daughter raped, but before it gets... Give me a break. So, the closing point is to the believer. If you've fallen, if you haven't been walking with the Lord, change that today. God will do amazing things with a life fully surrendered to Him. The most miserable spot you will ever live is where I lived for 17 years. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How long will you follow two opinions? On Mount Carmel, the prophet proclaimed, how long will you follow two opinions? If Bell be God, follow him, Shane. But if God be God, follow him. Oh, and I, I like God on Sunday, but boy, I sure like this on Monday. And I, I, I'm double-minded. I'm not fully surrendered. I'm miserable. Miserable. So surrender your life completely this morning. And there might be some of you, like with Spurgeon, that man said, just look, look and be saved. Other translations say, turn to God and be saved. And it's interesting, the word repentance actually means that. It means to turn. So when a person repents, they're walking according to the ways of this world. They love the things of the world. They, they don't really like God. They don't, definitely don't like this message. And they're just, they're just, and God says, turn from that arrogance and repent. Turn. Turn and see the cross. Bow your knee to the cross and you will be saved. Listen, Jesus is not a way. The only way. There is not your truth. There is the truth. And I want to just encourage you guys this morning. Full surrender. Full surrender. That's the only reason. The only reason. I don't need that anyway. The only reason I'm up here today. And I appreciate the kind words. But you have to understand. I know the real Shane Eidelman. And he would never be up here today. It's what God does with a broken vessel surrender to him and be encouraged you don't have to be perfect but there's a difference between our pride excusing our imperfections and humility saying god i'm desperate for more of you